what do we do now that we believe in Jesus? It's a good question. A lot of preachers and teachers over the years in an attempt to answer that question have put the law on steroids and have put Christians under a heavy burden, a heavy burden of law-keeping and a heavy burden of guilt for law-breaking. And when we live under that burden as Christians, we can have no joy, no peace, no assurance, and no confidence. Well, that's not the kind of life we've been called to. That's not the kind of life Jesus died to give us. And so with that in mind, can we talk? Hey friends, this is From the Pulpit, a series of podcasts based on the Sunday morning sermons at Liberty Church. My name's Pastor Matthew Moss, and I am so glad you decided to join me for this episode of From the Pulpit. Jesus said that he came to give us life and life more abundantly. He came to give us righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, for that is the kingdom of God. He came to give us assurance and confidence that we may know that we are children of God. Paul says in Romans chapter 6 that in sharing in the resurrection of Christ, We have been raised to newness of life. When we become a believer, we get a new life, a regenerated life. We are actually born again. We're born of the Spirit, which means we're out from under the old obligation. We're out from under uh, the old standard. We have a new obligation now. We live by a new standard, and that standard is a good one. It's not a cumbersome one, and it's the standard that we live by after we come to salvation. It's what we do after we believe in Jesus. It's not just believe in Jesus and then go on about your life, doing what you want to do, going where you want to go, saying what you want to say. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, everything changes after that. We have a new standard we live by. We are under a new system. It's not a burdensome system, but it's a new system. We live by this this new way, and it's a great way to live. It's the most fulfilling way to live. When we live this way, we live the abundant life that Jesus said he came to give us. I don't know about you, but I don't want anything less than what Jesus paid for. I've read enough of the Bible to know that Jesus paid a great price for you and for me. So I don't want anything less than what he paid for. And he paid it all. He paid it all. Absolutely everything. Everything that that we could want or need... Jesus paid for. Nothing is lacking. He paid it all. And so that's what I want for my life. It's what I want for your life. It's what I want for 
our church, Liberty Church, it's what I want for all churches that name the name of Jesus, that we would live the abundant life that Jesus came to give. And so in answering that question that I asked at the top, what do we do now that we believe, the answer is simple. We live the abundant life that Christ came to give us. Well, what is that abundant life? How do we know we're living it? How do we, how do we measure how abundant our life is? And I think that answer is just as simple. The more obedient we are to Christ, the more abundant our life will be. It's that simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. It's not easy in the sense that though we have a brand new spirit and we've been raised to newness of life, we still have our old way of thinking and we still have our old habits. And as I've said a hundred times, old habits die hard. So it's a simple answer, and that is that the more obedient we are, the more abundant our life will be, but it's not easy to accomplish because our mind and our flesh often get in the way. But I have some good news for you. Somebody has already accomplished it for us, and his name is Jesus. He has accomplished it for us, which means we already have it all. We have it. And because we have it, we can go do it. I want to talk about obedience for a little bit because obedience is um, its key to abundance. Obedience and abundance, they go hand in hand. And so I want to talk about obedience But before we talk about obedience, I want to talk about the three main types of writing in the scriptures. This will be helpful for us as New Covenant believers. So we're going to take a little detour to talk about the types of writing that are contained within the scriptures because it'll help us understand obedience as New Covenant believers. Now, the Bible is a, a beautiful library of 66 books that contain Uh, the revelation of God. What we need to know about God, God has revealed to us through the Holy Scriptures. Everything we need to know is in there. There's more to know. There's more to God than what's contained in those 66 books, but all we need to know is contained within those 66 books, and we could live a 100 lifetimes and never exhaust the riches of that beautiful library. But contained within those 66 books are three main kinds of writing. There's all kinds of genres, but there's three main kinds of writing. Those kinds of writing are descriptive writing, predictive writing, and prescriptive writing. So there's a lot of descriptive writing. Uh, writing that describes things that happened in history, uh, writing that describes certain events and places and people. There's lots of predictive writing, all the writing of the major and minor prophets. A number of the Psalms are predictive. 
even a number of the stories contained within the, uh, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the, the books of Moses, a lot of those writings are predictive, looking forward and predicting things that would happen in the, the near future and the far future. And then the final kind of writing is prescriptive writing. These are commandments. These are ordinances. These are sacraments. These are things that we are told to do. They are prescriptions. They are things that, that we must do. Um, as New Covenant believers, we don't look to the Old Testament for our prescriptions. And, and this is something that we've gotten wrong over the years. As New Covenant believers, we've mixed covenants. We've gone back to the Old Covenant or the Old Testament writings, and we've taken from there our commandments and our prescriptions, and we've tried to live by the things that are written there. I need to remind you that if you're a Gentile, first of all, if you're a Gentile, you were never, ever invited to participate in the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant was for national Israel only. Everybody else was excluded. So if you're a Gentile, you were never invited to that covenant. So if you're a Gentile believer, we should not be going back to the Old Testament looking for prescriptions, looking for advice on how to live today in the New Covenant. It's it's not for us. It was never for us. And if you're a Jewish Christian, if you happen to be a Messianic Jew, then you understand more than most that all of those Old Testament writings have found their fulfillment in Christ. We are under a new covenant, a new way. I mean, Jesus said of the most devout religious people of his day, the Pharisees, that they searched the scriptures. Jesus was talking about the Old Testament. He said, you search the scriptures hoping that in them you'll find life. You'll find instruction on how to live. And Jesus said, those scriptures are they which testify of me. I mean, Jesus is on every page of the Bible. The entire Bible is the testimony of Jesus from start to finish. In the Old Testament, Jesus was predicted. In the Gospels, Jesus was revealed. In the book of Acts, Jesus was preached. In the epistles or the writings of the apostles, uh, Jesus is explained. And in the book of Revelation, Jesus is expected. And we're still expecting Jesus today. We still expect him. We still await him. And so the whole of scripture is the testimony of Jesus. And so as new covenant believers, we don't go back to the Old Testament looking for prescriptions on how to live because we have the New Testament where Jesus is explained and this new life that he gives us is explained and so in that explanation we are given many prescriptions many commandments as to how to live our lives under the new covenant 
It's wrong for us to think that the Old Testament is all about commandments and the New Testament is all about God's grace. If you read the Old Testament carefully, you will see God's grace on display everywhere. And if you read the New Testament carefully, you will see that it is filled with commandments for the new covenant believer. Jesus said that his commandments were not burdensome. Now, as we talk about obedience in a few moments, we're going to be tempted to find the commandments of the New Testament, the commandments of the New Covenant, burdensome. But that's a trick of the enemy. We can't forget that there is one radical difference between the Old Covenant commandments, so the law, the Ten Commandments, and then all of the other commandments surrounding the law, we can't forget that there is a radical difference between the old covenant commandments and the new covenant prescriptions. And that is that someone has already perfectly kept both the law of the Old Testament and the prescriptions of the New Testament for us. Jesus has kept them for us, and now we have both the grace and the spirit of Jesus living in us to patiently teach us to keep the prescriptions, to live them out in our life, to obey them and enjoy the abundant life that Jesus came to give. Remember, we're talking about the three kinds of writing in the scriptures, and we're focusing now on the prescriptive writing, the kind of writing that teaches us how to live, the kind of writing that we are to obey. Now, we have to be careful when we read the words of Jesus because Jesus also is prescriptive in his ministry and in his teaching. He is prescriptive. But we have to remember something about Jesus. He was born of a woman, born under the law. Everything Jesus said and did, he did under the law. Let's take a look at Jesus' first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, that famous sermon. Uh, In that sermon, uh, Jesus says, It is written, so he's referring to the law of Moses now. He says, It is written, do not commit adultery. That's one of the Ten Commandments. Do not commit adultery. But Jesus says, I say to you, do not look at a woman with lust in your eye or you will have committed adultery in your heart. In the same sermon, Jesus says, it is written. And he's referring again to the law of Moses. Do not murder. That's another one of the Ten Commandments. Jesus says, It is written, do not murder, but I say to you, do not say, you fool, to your brother, or you are guilty of having committed murder in your heart. You see, in this famous sermon, Jesus was not preaching the new covenant standard for righteousness. Remember, Jesus was born of a woman, born under the law. Everything he said and did, he said and did under the law. Jesus is not preaching the standard for new covenant living in this sermon. The opposite is true. He is preaching the old covenant standard of the law. The true standard was not just about keeping the letter of the law, but it was also about keeping the heart of the law. Jesus perfectly kept 
both the letter and the heart of the law on our behalf. And he did it for us because we were incapable of doing it. That's why he preached that sermon. That's why he showed his listener the heart of the law, because a lot of them probably thought they were doing a good job at keeping the letter of the law. And Jesus said to them, okay, maybe you are keeping the letter of the law, but let me show you the heart of the law. And in showing his listener, and by extension showing us the heart of the law, we realize that we are guilty of breaking it. And so when we're confronted with the heart of the law, Our reaction should never be, oh yeah, I can do that. But rather, it should be to run to the foot of the cross and hide in the wounds of Jesus who kept both the letter and the heart of the law for us. Now David, King David, the psalmist, he wasn't wrong when he wrote in Psalm 19.7 that the law of God is perfect in converting the soul? No, he was absolutely right. And that's still true today. The law of God is perfect in converting the soul. The law still works because the law still reveals sin. It always has. It always will. What the law cannot do and could never do is justify someone. The law could never produce righteousness for law keepers the only thing that the law could do is produce death i mean paul mentions that in second corinthians 3 he says that the law written on tablets of stone so the 10 commandments he says that those are a ministry of death and condemnation he says that the letter kills the letter of the law kills it's a ministry of death and condemnation Always has been, always will be. The law could never make someone righteous. All it could do was point out sin. It was totally incapable of making someone righteous. And that's by God's design. Because he knew that Jesus was going to come and uh, give his life as a ransom for many. So that the one who knew no sin would become sin that we sinners might become the righteousness of God in him. Paul said that the letter kills, but the spirit gives life, meaning that only when the spirit of the law is kept can there be any righteousness, can there be any life, and only one person is capable of keeping the letter and the spirit of the law, and that is Jesus Christ who during his life kept it perfectly. And now by his spirit and by his grace, he continues to keep it perfectly in and through us. So when writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the apostles knew this. And we need to remember it whenever we read the New Testament prescriptions. Remember those three kinds of writing? Descriptive, predictive, and prescriptive? Whenever we're reading New Covenant, New Testament prescriptive writings, we have to remember 
that Jesus has already kept the prescription for us. He's already kept it for us. The New Testament writers knew this, and we need to be reminded of it every time we read the New Testament prescriptions. It's already done. And because it's already done, now we can do it. Now we can imitate Christ. Now we can obey Christ and live the abundant life that he came to give. Remember, the more obedient we are, the more abundant we will live. And we can be obedient because Christ was obedient for us. He kept the law for us, the letter of the law, the spirit of the law. He kept it for us. And so now when we read all the commandments that are in the new covenant, we can know that they were kept by Christ and that we can keep them by his spirit, by his power living in us. I'll close with this. Obedience is mandatory for the believer. If we're going to live the abundant life that Christ came to give us, then we need to be obedient. Obedience is what we do now that we believe. God's commandments are not take them or leave them. Our obedience is mandatory. But our obedience is also from the heart which has been perfected. And it works out from there. Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 6, verse 17. He says that we are perfectly obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which we have committed. Have you committed to the standard? I didn't ask you if you were perfect in keeping it. I asked you if you committed to it. Because if you committed to it, then from your heart, you are perfectly obedient to it. From your head and from your hands, from your mind and from your flesh, you and I are not and will never be perfectly obedient to the standard on this side of heaven. It's going to be a constant struggle. Peter talked about how we are to abstain from the passions of the flesh that are at war against our spirit. This is an ongoing war. It's, uh, it's going to continue until we breathe our last breath. But we don't have to worry if we've obeyed enough to get in because that obedience has already been taken care of. We are perfectly obedient from the heart to the standard. And you've made your decision, and so have I. We've made our commitment. We're committed to the standard. We know that God's way is the best way. We know that God's way works, and so that's our standard. That's the standard by which we live. We judge everything against that standard. And we can have confidence that if we have committed to that, that we are perfectly obedient to it. Even when our thinking and even when our actions say otherwise, because we have been perfected from the heart. And from there, it works outward. It works outward from the heart. It doesn't work inward from the hands or from the head. It works 
outward from the heart. Eugene Peterson said that that Christianity is a long obedience in the same direction. And my dad used to say that when we get saved, Jesus puts us on the 80-year plan and he patiently works with us to conform us to his image so that when we stand before him on that day, we'll see the family resemblance. Doesn't always look like it now, friends, because we're still in this old flesh and we still have that old way of thinking. So stay on the plan and keep facing the same direction and you'll make it. Jesus' perfect obedience has been given to you. So now that you believe that, every day present yourself to righteousness so that you might become obedient to it and enjoy the abundant life that Jesus came to give. Thank you for listening to this episode of From the Pulpit. If you enjoyed it, please give it a five-star rating and share it with a friend. And guys, don't ever forget, it's Jesus only. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Titus 2.13 Oh, 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 oh,